What's up, everyone? Welcome to another edition of Mongols brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network. I'm Mike. With me is Kevin Josh. We have so much to talk about today, but first... Yes, we did have a victory. Yeah, didn't want to uh, spend too much time. We have, Like I said, we have a whole bunch of stuff to talk about. Didn't want to make Josh wait. So, Josh, <laughs> you get to crack that one open early. Guys, I feel like I haven't talked to you in forever. Um, I feel like it's two weeks, maybe? I did the interview with the new president, but beyond that, I haven't been around. I will say that I, I have thoroughly enjoyed listening to you guys because I felt like there were times like I was driving around and listening to you that you would say something and it would like jar something in my mind is like, Oh, that's a topic. Like we should bring up at some other point. Whereas when we're here in the thick of it, I'm just like moving on. Let's go. Like, like that's great. Shut up, Kev. We're moving. We got other stuff we got to talk about. We're, we're out of time. Let's go. Did you so, ever feel um, like you were supposed to like respond or like chirp in like with your, your, like I can imagine driving and like listening being like, well, actually, Oh wait, I'm not. Talking about <laughs> there, there are times where like, you know, one of you might say something and I feel like I have a rebuttal just like queued up, ready to go. And it's just like, ah, and then like, I'm waiting for the other one of you to say the rebuttal and then you don't. And I'm like, totally missed out on that. So yeah, but I welcome say, back Mike. I know. Right. <laughs> Um, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought you guys crushed it. I think it was Liz or somebody had, had said that we should start this thing where we just start putting together different pairings of people that we don't normally have. And that could be a lot of fun. So like do an episode that's just like Josh and Laura Ellen or like Liz and Justin or, you know, um, me and Steve or whatever it may be. And just sort of see how the dynamics play and shift and all of that. Um, we did put out a poll. Kev, you'd be happy to know. We said, should Kev host all the shows from now on? And 45% of people said, yeah. without question. Love the um, options. Yeah. 36% <laughs> said absolutely. And only 18% said yes. So nobody said no. Shockingly. I don't know. You know, you're just, you're that big of a hit. So kudos to you, man. Um, what was it Riley, like? I, I didn't Riley, realize it had literally been five years and you hadn't done it. Yeah, no, I mean, I was Riley saw that poll on Twitter and she was like, she read it first and she was like, do you want me to vote no? And then she was like, oh, wait, no, there's like no option for no. Um, no, I mean, it was fine. Yeah, no, it, like, you know, I don't, it's, I don't, I don't want to do it again. That's for sure. <laughs> like not, not, not for multiple years, but yeah, no, it was fine. Somebody on Twitter replied, like, did Kevin put out this poll? And I was like, no. <laughs> the no, exact opposite. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they would all have said no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it is Labor Day. So for those of you watching live, happy Labor Day. For those of you a day later, hopefully you enjoyed the long weekend. Did you guys do anything fun with the long weekend? Josh, anything going on? We did a lot of house stuff like yesterday and today. Uh, kind of like getting some some projects done. Uh forever like a year ago danny earls we commissioned him to do some photos for us and we finally got him hung in the hallway going up the stairs uh liz did a great job like framing them up she used to work at michael's as a framer uh back nice. in like college days or high school days and so like she has all the supplies now and did a really cool job putting mats on them making them look cool uh so yeah we we did that and got some other stuff done around the house but yeah pretty much just hung out around the house and did some some projects Kev, how about you? Same. It's been a rainy while. 
in Knoxville. It's been a rainy weekend and it's been rainy before that. It's going to be rainy after that. Um, so there's limited stuff we can do, but um, yeah, last weekend we went to Asheville um, and saw Thundercat uh, in concert, which was awesome. Uh, had a good time in Asheville, but uh, yeah, and this weekend was kind of chilled. So it was, it was a good weekend. I mean, you know, it's all, when people say that, it's like once you hit a certain age, a weekend of nothing is wonderful for some people at least and that's what it is like for me but uh but yeah it's good what about you mike yeah i mean i was gonna say the boys started back to school on monday so basically school all week and then ollie had varsity games on monday and tuesday so like come wednesday morning we were just like dead but then we had an open house wednesday thursday there was something else going on so we really just try to take it we watched beetlejuice this weekend for some reason, I got the itch to watch. It feels a little early, but like I never really know how early is too early to start doing like Halloweeny type fall stuff. Um, but I didn't regret it, so you know that's a- <laughs> like when you say you watched, like did the boys watch it with you? Mm-hmm. Okay, was that their first time seeing Beetlejuice? No, no, no. They they had okay. seen it maybe last year. We sat down and watched it. They sort of like came and went as the movie was on. I definitely was enjoying it more than they were, but. Um, <laughs> At least at this point, I'm sure we'll get closer to Halloween and they'll want to watch all of the movies and all of the shows and do all the things. But I think I'm just ahead of the curve in our family in terms of getting ready for it. It feels fallish now. I mean, I don't know. It's maybe it's the constant overcast days and there's been some leaves changing. Um, so I get I get what you mean. Yeah. So, um Lots and lots of stuff to talk about here, guys. Uh, real quick, so uh, a number of exciting things that we wanted to point out before we actually dive into the game. So first and foremost, for those of you uh, who follow us on Twitter or those of you who subscribe to us on YouTube, which I was like shocked that that's a thing because we do these we do these live and the videos go up on YouTube after the fact. But I was surprised to see we have like 60 plus subscribers on YouTube. I'm like, okay, cool. But if you follow us on YouTube, if you follow us on uh, Twitter, uh, Justin has started putting out game day videos and they're basically like three minutes or less. And what we're doing is we're releasing them on the morning of game day. And the idea is just to give you sort of a bite-sized sample of what you could expect and what to look out for in the upcoming game. And so when you wake up first thing in the morning, um, to get hit with that, it's sort of a nice little primer, get you jump started for the game, get you ready for the day. Um, and they've been really, really entertaining, really well received. The first one on Twitter had something like 400 views by the end of it. So like it's making the rounds and people are watching it. So really, really cool stuff. So make sure that you follow us on Twitter. Make sure that you follow us on YouTube so you get those videos. You can check them out. I, I don't expect you to come watch us in talking this after the fact. Like go listen on the podcast. But Justin's videos are there He has like highlight videos where he breaks down plays and he puts up charts like breaking down stats and numbers and stuff of different players so it's definitely worth watching and that's why we haven't just sort of added it to the uh to the podcast stream so make sure you go check those out um that's the first thing second big thing for those of you over the past five years essentially that have supported us on patreon Patreon is no more, not like literally, but we have decided to pull the plug on the Mongols Patreon page um, for a couple of reasons. I think one, uh, the primary reason for me, primary, primary, 
primary anyway primary reason from my state yeah i see you josh trying to do it out too um from my standpoint is that from so so my day job is i work in user experience and the idea that we could put content out there but in order for you to go get it you actually have to like have a Patreon app or go to Patreon to access it is a pain. Like you're, you're the, the extra stuff that we give you, I feel like should just be available wherever you are. So I have an issue also with like doing special episodes that you then have to go somewhere else to listen to outside of your podcast player. So I don't want to do that either. So we're, we're saying we're done with Patreon. Um, we, Thoroughly are grateful for everybody that has sponsored us on Patreon over the years. Uh, all all of the the donations that people have given us has gone towards all sorts of different um, giveaways that we've done, uh, donations that we've given to different charities. It's helped to like help us not have to pay out of pocket for things like microphones or stuff like that. So it kind of helped us keep us going. So we really appreciate it. But the Patreon page is no more. In place of that, so sort of the transition is some of you may have seen that there's this new thing that Twitter uh, released called Twitter Circles. And I've sort of had my eye on this for a little while. Um, I knew it was sort of in the testing phase and I've been playing with it with my personal account. It's now out for everybody. The way that Twitter Circles works is that within Twitter, you can be added to somebody's circle. And then anytime those people tweet just to that circle, just that circle sees whatever it is that they're sharing. So we, as Mongols, have our own Twitter circle. And the way that it works is that if we want to put out content that just it can be seen by people in our circle, we can do that. So right now, our circle basically consists of everybody you would expect from Mongols. Kevin, Liz, and Laurel, and Justin, Steve. Anytime I tweet just to that circle, they're the only ones that can see it. And they can reply, and other people in that circle can see the replies, but it's just that circle. It's a very exclusive club in a lot of ways. So... Combining the two things together, the, the my issues with Patreon and this whole idea of Twitter circles, we are now basically extending our Mongols Twitter circle to really whoever it is that would like to be part of it. And so the idea is that if you join our Twitter circle, we will give you exclusive content that basically won't be available anywhere else on Twitter. Um, we won't be sharing it with the general public. It will just go to these circles. And so what does that mean? These are things like the daily Twitter polls that we've been doing. Um, you know, basically every single morning we're putting out a different Twitter poll. A number of the polls end up making their way into the show. Some of the polls end up getting in front of uh, Riverhounds management, like you may have seen when the president was on and we talked about roof over the stands and all those things. So the Twitter polls, First of all, they're meant to be a little bit fun, but they also help to sort of shape the future of Mongols and, you know, potentially help influence things with the team. We do live game reactions and conversations during the games. So we put out a poll a little while ago and a bunch of people said that you're really active on Twitter on away games. If you were part of that Twitter circle, we could have our own little conversations about the games, share how we're actually feeling about them. Um, we could do a thing, Josh, you were really interested in doing like Twitter spaces. So Twitter spaces are essentially where we could just sort of open up a channel and say, Hey, at halftime during the games, we're going to jump on and just share our thoughts during halftime. And anybody who wants to jump on can share their thoughts. We can tag people in. So if you're in the Twitter circle, we can sort of tag you in and you can share your thoughts and we just have a conversation around it. So we can do a lot of fun stuff as it relates to that. Um, you'd get early access to game day pre previews. So I just talked about Justin's previews. Figure put those out first thing in the morning just to our Twitter circle and then maybe later in the day to everybody else. Um, so 
a lot of cool stuff. And the idea is that it's right within Twitter, right where most of our supporters are anyway. So if you are interested, you can head over to twitter.com backslash Mongols, basically our profile page, and you can sign up. And the way that we're doing this is because we are taking away the Patreon thing, the idea is for $1 a month, you can be part of our Twitter circle. So you'll see a link. Uh, the tweet actually should be up right now um, on our page that has the instructions for how to do it. You basically just click the link. It's a $1 uh, subscription um, through PayPal, and you could go that route. Um, and basically, once we get your email address, we'll email you. You let us know what Twitter handle you want to be part of the circle, and we will add you in like cool and you're in. The other thing you can do is you may have noticed that I am rocking a new Mongols hat. And so you can either do, go the $1 a month route, or if you'd like your own hat, which I know a number of people have been asking for as well, you can pay 30 bucks. We'll send you the hat and you'll be included in the Twitter circle for an entire year. So not just the end of this year, but also all of 2023 um, as well. So really we're sort of gearing up for next season. A lot of the ways the same, you know, the team is as well, but you just sort of get the rest of 2022 as a bonus. So head over to, to our Twitter profile page, twitter.com backslash Mongols. You will see the tweet um, that has the instructions. You can click on the link for either $1 a month if you want to do it, or if you want the hat, you can just order the hat. $30 a month will automatically add you. So check it out. Um, we think it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, and, uh, yeah, let us know what you think. Um, so that is all of that. I guess guys, anything, I just threw a whole bunch of stuff at you. Is there <laughs> anything there that you were like, shut up, Mike? Cause I wanted to say something. No, that, well, first off the hat looks awesome. If, if obviously if you're listening on the podcast, you can't see the hat Mike's wearing it right now, but if you go over to Twitter, you can see it. It's a image on the post he's talking about, but it's, uh, using our, uh, logo. That's not the Cerberus, but the. Uh, sea monster, like the Mongahela monster, I think is what we called it. Yeah. Uh, the three-headed Mongahela monster. So that's that's a pretty cool hat. Um, and also a little bit more about spaces. So it's like something I don't think you mentioned is it's actually like an audio-only feed. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. So right. yeah, you, you, it opens up. It's almost like a podcast, but it's it's a live cast of just audio. And the the host can at any time tag people in who are listening and make them co-hosts and they can actually just start talking uh right from their phone it's it's a pretty cool idea it's kind of like just on the go podcast almost that's a like a live radio feed um so yeah that will be a lot of fun i can see us doing some cool stuff with that especially if you know anyone can just pop in and and maybe i don't know if there's any way to record it though because it'd be kind of cool if we could get some people to like talk on it and then maybe show it on the podcast you know the following podcast about you know questions or anything like that but We'll look into it, see what's going on. Yeah. There's a lot of new stuff that's going on at Twitter. Um, I actually, I, I, I've i listened to a few spaces, but I haven't actually ran, ran any yet. So I'm really looking forward to, I think doing it at halftime could be a lot of fun. Just like, what's everybody thinking? Like, what's going on here? What changes do we think Lily should be making or whatever? Um, so could be interesting, but we're going to play with it. Um, the last bit of news, I know there's a lot of news before we dive into actual Hounds stuff. We're already 15 minutes in. Good Lord, I need to stop talking. I, but we got to say this. Congrats to Gene Klein, who is being inducted into the River Hounds Hall of Fame this Saturday. Um, there's going to be a ceremony uh, at the home game against Louisville. Gene has been coach, GM, broadcaster. He's been on this show before. We did sort of a deep dive of his history with him. Just all around 
just a core part of Pittsburgh professional soccer history. So, you know, massive congratulations to him. Um, make sure, you know, you're there for the ceremony this weekend as we take on Louisville. Um, really, really great stuff. Um, really excited for him. So, yeah, I'm hoping with Gene Klein and like, it's, it's great to see that the hall of fame is coming back. Cause we hadn't heard anything from, from it for a while. Um, right now, the only way you can really tell who's on the hall of fame, if you're in the stadium is up on the grant or, uh, the box seats, essentially, uh, behind the goal on that side uh, on the glass, they have it etched in the glass. Like every person who's in the hall of fame, uh, I would love to see if they're, if they're going to, you know, talk about renovating the stadium, that kind of stuff. If we could get a more prominent hall of fame feature, even if it was just like pictures along the fence or like against the brick wall, like uh, under the grandstand where they could like laminate pictures or something like that in a little plaque and telling you like each person, why they're there, why they're in the hall of fame, like something like that, just to show the history, show the show off the history the hounds have. Cause at this point, hounds history is, it goes pretty deep and uh, yeah. you know, we're one of the older clubs in USL. So we should probably, you know, flaunt that a little bit better. Yeah, Absolutely. All right, gents, uh, now that sort of the, the housekeeping is is out of the way, let's talk. We had two games this week. Um, I'm kind of just lumping them both together, and we'll just do shared takeaways. So we drew nil-nil with the battery, and we beat Loudon 2-1 to one, uh, yesterday. So we basically got four points out of a possible six. Um, the first takeaway I have, and I'm going to shut up because I want you guys to talk, but obviously, Josh, how are you going to – box up the old guard shield and ship it have you figured uh, that out yet i thought about you're just gonna forget it? i was gonna say forget i think someone from battery has to contact me first before i uh consider That's fair. it totally <laughs> legit you don't know where to send it yeah like i i don't know so you know if if you know if i don't hear anything i guess i can't do anything about it i don't have an address so Shucks. No, I mean, it, obviously, I'm, we're going to reach out and see if if, you know, how we want to do it. Uh, but I I'm also like the regiment. That's the batteries supporters group. They, they're not that active on like any social media. I looked at their Twitter the other day and like literally the only tweets I see are either retweets of the club's Twitter account or every once in a while you see a game day tweet where it's like, hey, tailgate starts at blah, blah, blah. And that's like the only social media uh, interactivity they have. Um, so hopefully they're still active because I can't really tell from their Twitter account if they're, they're still a thing. Uh, but yeah, I, it would suck if like we get radio silence from them because there's, you know, it's not fun when it's a one-sided thing. Like if we had that with Harrisburg for the longest time, their supporters group was super inactive every once in a while, like every, some years it seemed like they were non-existent. So it's, it's, it's kind of bad to have like a rivalry or, or a cup with someone who's, you know, one-sided. So. It's all the more all the more infuriating that we lost, or right. we lost the old guard shield. We didn't lose the game. I, are there like written rules to the old guard shield? Like at a certain point, can you just be like, "We're the last active supporter group out of it, <laughs> so we're just keeping it." The, the, there are some things around all that. Um, it was interesting because there for a while it looked like okay, if one of us were to go under. At that point, there's more active clubs in USL League One than in Championship. So therefore, the old guard shield would go mm. down to League One and be with mm. those clubs. Uh, but now it's like, uh, yeah, it, it's hard to tell because there's not really that many active old guard, uh, original old guard uh, clubs in USL League One either. 
So it it, it is just kind of like, okay, well, last one standing, we'll see. So I think Richmond's on there and they're in League One right now. Um I'm trying to think who else is in League One. But yeah, we'll see what happens. To pour salt in the wound, uh, just to sort of point out that the battery have already been eliminated from playoffs, but they won more hardware than we did this year so far. So <laughs> feels good, doesn't it? Kev, you've been awfully quiet over there. Give us a takeaway from from these two games. What what did you see? What do you want to talk about? Yeah, it's it's been being quiet for the first twenty minutes. I have taken my liberties to just shut up after hosting. <laughs> you, you just <laughs> slipped right back into your role. And... Ah, that's right. <laughs> Feels good. Um, no, I mean, so I missed uh, most of the midweek game against Charleston, and then caught the Loudon game. Um, I thought it was interesting how Josh and I were talking a little bit about expectations around um, starting lineups for the, for this week and how, okay, it's a midweek game, but we have a lot of time on either end of that. And it's Charleston you want, and you know, they, Bob thought he wanted to, or needed to, I mean, it's debatable. Um, do all of the changes that he made against Charleston. I mean, they were significant. Um, I mean, at least more than five changes um, that I can think after glancing at the lineup. Um, and but yeah, I mean, I can't I can't give too much color to the Charleston game because, like I said, I saw the highlights. But um, that being said, uh, the Loudon game, I thought I don't know, I, I I thought we played really well. I thought we created a ton of chances. Sure, the pen at the end happens. Um, you know, Jamali Waite showed why he should be the starting keeper from here on out. Um, and yeah, I thought I, I thought we looked good. And I thought for me, I finally got a definitive answer of I think the reason why the the stat that everyone hates to talk about um, XG. I think I think the reason why our XG is so low is because like I, I'm assuming we never have like shooting practice. I just think all of our like players <laughs> just don't know how to shoot. Um, create a lot of chances, and when we when we get when we get in those chances, and then it's just like, yeah, it's just poor finishing. Um, but yeah, I thought I thought it's, I mean Cicerone looked great um, against Loudon. Could have had a hat trick. Uh, Forbes played really well after having I think a pretty mediocre season. Um, I, I say mediocre season. He's on what? He's on nine assists uh, so far this season. So yeah, I mean I, I think. After being in this kind of weird place, for, in my opinion, over the past couple of weeks um, with this Riverhounds team, I think the Louding game they showed a lot of good quality. Even though, I, you know, at the end of it, two one doesn't seem too convincing. Um, I think if they can build on that um, against Louisville, which is a big if, uh, I think you know, I, I think we're going in the right direction. I feel like in the like two minutes that you talk, you just like sabotaged all of my talking points. Cause you like, you just like glanced over every little thing that I was going to discuss. I'll pick out one and I'll, and I'll circle back to it. And then Josh, I want to get your takeaways. You mentioned Kev, like, do we not have shooting practice? Um, in against the battery, we had 16 shots. Only three of them were on target against Loudon. We had 18 shots only six were on target. So combined this week, we had 34 shots, but only nine were on target. So only 26% of the shots we took 
were actually like on frame and had a chance of going in. And that's just like, that, that's maddening. Like that's like amateur league stuff. Like I would expect that from like an old guy's league. Like, Oh great. You know, he's going to shoot, but there's only a 25% chance he's going to actually hit the net. Like there, these guys are paid, man. Like at a certain point you have to be like, you got to Even if you're, if it's right at the keeper, at least it's at which the sometimes it is <laughs> which sometimes it is yeah so like of those nine a majority of them were right at the keeper because only two went in out of those nine so that's i mean that's the other number that's kind of mind-boggling we took 34 shots and scored on two of them over these past two games which is nuts great two goals though i have to say they were really <laughs> really good goals <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's one thing to see us shank the ball or like, how oh, was it? Ciceroni in the Charleston match where oh, he just, the whiff. Yeah. I think it was 80, 18th minute or uh, 19th minute. He just completely wound up and, and scuffed it. Like he just missed the ball completely and it went rolling past him. End up still being good because it was, uh, you know, kind of like a, a dummy shot that ended up helping us a little bit uh, to almost get a goal. But it's, if it's shot on target, I'm it's to the point where if it's shot on target, I'm more happy than anything. I'm just like, Oh, the, the keeper, it was right to the keeper. He saved it. All right, whatever. At least it wasn't, you know, skying the ball over the net or, or shanking it to the right or left or something like that. Um, but yeah, it is so annoying. And that's, I think I talked about this a little bit last podcast, but that's my issue with the XG chart is just that like, I'm so used to seeing us have shots just not on target or like, you know, great buildup, but just seems like in the final third, we're terrible. We have no consistency at all. And I'm, I'm super worried about playoffs and like not making the playoffs, just like competing in the playoffs or, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really worried about uh, this game coming up against Louisville. I just, I, I don't feel confident. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, this isn't a great position to be in going into uh, the Louisville game. I don't think so, because I feel like we need these points more than ever now. It's not like a situation before where it's like, eh, we can, you know, kind of put our third string against Louisville as long as we get points in these games. Like we didn't get enough points in these games to do that, to make me feel comfortable about, you know, just sitting our best players against Louisville. Uh, to rest them up for you know the the last final stretch of this season it's a situation where i feel like no like we need to get as many points as possible at this point if we want to host a playoff game because we have to get to fourth place and i'm not confident we can um luckily we're playing not so much luckily but we're playing against a bunch of west coast teams so i had no clue what to expect from those but at least that's a lot of travel for the west coast team coming into highmark uh, since most of the games are at home. So we have that going for us. Yeah, we'll get to the West Coast teams and stuff. I have a, a chart and some some numbers to maybe try to paint a picture of what we can expect. Right. Um, but we'll sort of get to that uh, after we talk about these two games. Um, Kev, your point about weight, you guys talked a little bit about it uh, last week. I think Hounsey has been talking about it, about sort of the keeper rotation. I... I don't get it at this point in the season. Like I get if you're trying to figure out who your best keeper is, if you don't know who your best keeper is with six games left, like we've got a problem. So other positions I can understand rotating to give guys minutes because they might be outfield players. You want to make sure they're fresh. 
keepers, it just feels like a different story to me. It's like with weight back there, we seem to be slightly calmer in defense. It's organized. You have sort of a, a general, you could see him sort of giving orders and instructions in these past two games. And it's like, why, why, you know, disrupt the apple cart? I think he's just a better shot stopper too. I mean, I oh, think yeah. he made uh, like a handful of good saves against Laden. His he's played four more games than Silva, but he basically averages one goal against per game. Silva averages one and a half goals against per game. Weight has six clean sheets and Silva has three. So at least in, if you just look statistically at the keepers, Weight has been performing better and, and producing better outcomes. He would have had a shutout in this game if it wasn't for the PK. And you can't really fault the keeper in a PK situation. If he saves it, you can fault him. But like <laughs> the, 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 the shooter is supposed to score in that scenario. And in this case, it was Benteke Jr. So like you kind of felt like it was going to go in. Yeah, that was hilarious. I was like, when did they get Christian Benteke? <laughs> like, I was, I was like, that is ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. If if you what I'm trying to think of like what's the game where you just combine weird words together to see what happens? Like Jamali Wade's Mad thinking, lips. like, I'm yeah. I'm I'm saving or I'm I'm facing a penalty shot against a Benteke in Loudon. Like you just <laughs> would never put those three things together. So yeah. Um, other thoughts from this one? What do you got? Or these two? What do you guys got? I mean, the goals in the second and the Latin game were awesome. Both really of good. them were fantastic goals. Team, you know, putting together a string of passes and just being on the same page. Uh, Ciceroni, shout out to him for that first goal. That, that I mean, I felt like it was a great goal. And I don't know. It just we get these flashes with this team where I'm convinced this is one of the better teams we've had uh you know ever and for the riverhounds it's just the consistency is not there and i'm just hoping that we we get it together in these last stretch of games and can have a great playoff run i i tweeted out and the tweet has gotten a lot of traction a lot of people seem to to like it and agree i think what's interesting about ciceroni is the way that the camera was set up during that play and you sort of see it develop over the past few years, and I don't know why it is, we'll have these scenarios where you have players that go in one-on-one with the keeper, essentially. And when that happens, my confidence level that we're going to score is probably like 40 to 50%. Especially, we just talked about like the, the shot stats, where it's like only 26% of the time it hits the net anyway. Ciceroni was that weird, he, he's that weird anomaly where when I saw him get that ball in space one-on-one with the keeper, it was like 90% that's going in. Like I just had this confidence level that like it's him, it's going in. And even later in the game, a similar situation happened with Dequa and it was saved. And it was just kind of like, there's something, it's crazy because Josh, you mentioned the whiff against the battery, but there's something about Ciceroni that, even even like a Nico Brett, like I don't I don't feel like I had that confidence level, like who's meant to be like a pure finisher that he's going to pick a spot and put it away in the same way that um, that I've I've had that confidence. With Ronnie, do you guys agree with that? Am I like over exaggerating that? I mean, a little bit. I, I would say I, I think Cicerone had another chance where F- Forbes made this beautiful pass on the edge of the 18 and put like Cicerone through again. And Cicerone went to hit it first time and just put it like 
five, six feet wide. Um, and so, yes, I, I mean, through one-on-one -on -one with the keeper, Cicerone is probably the person I back the most on our team. Um, but internally, I'm still like flipping a coin whether or not he actually puts it away. <laughs> And That's I feel like Dequa has, I mean, he's had a great season overall. Yeah. Oh, overall. for sure. Like it, I, it, so I, I almost would I, actually, I, I think I might be if, you know, given the choice between the two of them, like, Hey, only one can start. I, I'm, I might still go with Dequa right now. Cause I feel like he's on more than Ciceroni is. Um, now I don't think statistically that actually bears out. <laughs> and, and I do think Ciceroni is a great player and, both of them, like because that, even that goal that we're talking about, uh, Dequa was the one who had the assist on that one, I believe, mm -hmm. and it was a great assist the way he was able to thread that ball through. Um, yeah, it's just we have good players; they just need to be yeah. consistent. And I feel like both of uh, both of those two have issues being consistent. Yeah, I'm I'm in no way knocking Dequa. I think Dequa, we've especially seen down the stretch here, he's probably one of the hardest working players that we have on the team. And he just gets himself into positions to sort of throw his body at the ball and, and make magic happen. Um, that might be an interesting pull. Like one-on-one -on -one with the keeper, you can only pick one player to take it. Who's taking it? And like, see what people think. Um, yeah, I like it. Uh, what else? I'll say the the Kizza goal too. Um, oh yeah, Shane, Shane Wheat's ball into it was great. I mean, it went in the build up play for it, it was really good too. I mean, it was just I think we were the the Hounds were doing a good job keeping the pressure on Loudon in their third, keeping the ball, cycling it, probing, trying to find space. Um, and I forget who laid it off to Shane Wheat, um, but Wheat was in a bunch of space and uh was kind of put through in the 18 and hit it first time and hit it hard and hit it like kind of chest level and and because uh you know being the striker that you would want him to be makes the near post run and it just finds his head and and he fires it in i remember like seeing it happen you know i wasn't i wasn't i was like i don't know it sounds weird but like i wasn't ready for that to go in like you know and then it went in like, holy crap you know it was um <laughs> so yeah no it was that both goals in this game were great. After after 90 minutes of, I think, probing and trying to create chances and ultimately ending in somewhat frustration. I mean, I understand. Look, I mean, you're not going to score on every sustained possession in your opponent's third, right? So I, I don't want to create this kind of false narrative that like anytime we have the ball in their third and we don't score, it's a terrible thing. But um, yeah, in, in a game where we created so much, you know, we end up with two wonderful goals um yeah and that 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 goal in particular i think was even in some ways better than the cicerone goal the cicerone goal is very fluid um but the the wheat goal or not the the kiza goal that we'd set up it was just yeah I, it was a perfectly worked kind of like pattern of play goal it was so well passed as well from wheat that i was confused when i saw the goal live because kiza doesn't stop like he it doesn't look like he moves to the ball he just keeps on running straight ahead and like it hits his head and he keeps on running it it was so smooth that i was confused i thought maybe the ball bent in yeah. i'm like what did we bend that in because like it didn't look like kissa even went for the ball it just like right. hit his head it was in like it was just perfectly 
aim. So yeah, that, the whole sequence there was just awesome. I I mean, God, Mike, pull up. So you no, can, I, you could. Oh, I, I was just gonna say, like, I I'm very curious now. I want to look at. I don't have the. It's gonna take me a second to pull it up, but I'm I'm very curious now what like Shane Wheat's stats are for the season now. <laughs> Well, as you as you look that up, I'll give another plug to Justin's videos, because in the one that he released Sunday morning, he actually took a moment and put up a chart um, comparing Shane Wheat and Ordonez to like some of the best defenders that we sort of recognize as the best defenders for the Hounds over the years. Toby Adewale was still like top of that list, which I was like, really? But in terms of like blockages, clearances, um, uh, I'm trying to think of like disrupted passes, things like that. Ordonez and Wheat are, it, it, Justin's going to yell at me because I know I'm going to get this wrong, but it was like top seven or eight in like Hounds history. And at that point, they still had seven games to play. So like they could still catch up to like, there was a Joe Greenspan year that was like right in the mix there. And there was a Hugh Roberts uh, uh, um, tally that was right in the mix there too that they could leapfrog and really end up with potentially some of the best defensive years statistically that we've seen in recent memory for the Hounds. So I know early on we were sort of dogging Wheat, but I think when you compare sort of what he's done, I think as a pure center back, we had a lot of concern, but for whatever reason with him out wide a little bit and streaking up the field, he's sort of a dual threat in ways that I was not really expecting at the beginning of the season. So yeah. Kev, did you find it? You, you look like you're like deeply. Yeah. You no, I'm really so. bad at finding the stuff. It's still going to take <laughs> me a little bit. He's stuck watching cat videos. So yeah. we'll just have to let that one go. Yeah, I mean, with with we I, we keep on joking the Steel Army that like he is going to get more goals. Like we, we always expect him to get a goal because of the, the history this this season. Uh, to the point where it's like you know our best forward is Shane Wheat. Like obviously it's not, true. <laughs> not even close to being true, but it it, it, it sounds fun. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he he's just he's had a great year. Uh, I, I do think last year I'm trying to look it up as well, but I'm pretty sure last year he. He had more, I think it was assists. No, I can't. I, I have to look it up. One second. <laughs> yeah, your wife just said it's like Bob knows what he's doing, um, which, yeah, you know, <laughs> credit where credit's due. Bob usually gets it right, for sure. Um, one one downside, well, you guys sort of look up those stats and whether we circle back to this, I don't know. But uh, word got out that Dos Santos um had a knee issue and potentially had surgery this week and so i'm assuming that means that he's pretty much done for the season so we saw Rivera in against loudon um Rivera played really well too yeah i mean i the or a few games back um i was a little bit worried because rovi seemed to be off just a hair and it was it was a bit mind baffling because he went from in my mind being a must start to like needs more minutes but i thought you know in these in these last at least this last game he looked pretty spot on so um I, it's it's a shame because i thought dos santos was having a really good rookie year um so to see it end that way is disappointing and and we don't know the extent of the knee injury um and sort of how surgery went so hopefully you know all went well um 
but uh, <laughs> Polanski uh, just uh, shared. Um, Bob's a soccer genius. Let me show you my shocked face. So yes, <laughs> we know. Uh, you know, question Bob Lilly at your own peril. So uh, Argudo yeah. uh, made an appearance this game. Uh, that's the first time we've seen him in forever. Like he in hasn't been making the bench, or uh, I think uh, I think it was shoe. Uh, because he has his handy dandy uh, spreadsheet with all the st- uh, stats. Uh, he said that it was his uh, first appearance since June 25th was the last time we saw Argudo. So uh, mm-hmm. that's interesting. Yeah. And then he Once promptly again, got a yellow card, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, your wife taking us to task. She said, you guys are so doom and gloom about the game and then list half the players and talk about what a good game they had. <laughs> That's what we I, do, Liz. <laughs> I feel like that, that was especially my feeling when I was watching the Loudon game and I'm like kind of like buzzing. I'm like, ah, we're, we're ahead. We're doing OK. We're doing like, you know, we're, we're getting the job done. And then every tweet from you know, Mike that night was like, bah, humbug. I was like, oh, all right, I guess <laughs> I get it. Like, <laughs> so here's. Here's my concern, and this is this is sort of segueing into later stuff, but I'll just sort of touch on it now. So I named the, this episode "Withdrawing from the Bank," and I was trying to, I was like, how do I phrase this in as few words as possible? My concern is that okay, we looked, we beat Loudon two to one. Loudon is on the verge of being eliminated from playoff contention with six games left. So like, we're supposed to beat Loudon. We were supposed to beat the battery. We were supposed to beat Atlanta. We like all of these games we should have dominated. And there's some numbers here that I'll share, but it feels very much like we're in the position that we're in partially because we banked up so many points earlier in the season. And so we're sort of lucky that these games haven't derailed us and dropped us more down the standings. And that's my concern is that, these games are against teams that we should be crushing. And now you have Louisville coming to town and we're going to have Birmingham midweek in a game that could likely determine whether or not we get a home playoff game because they're going to be battling with us for that. And can we put together performances against these other teams that are actually going to make the playoffs this year, as opposed to these other teams. And so that's why I think I was a little bit more down. There were moments in this game that I felt like we were, we were pretty pedestrian one that I was like kind of upset about. Um, and it could have just been like flashbacks of other things, but there was a moment in the game with Kizza. I agree. His goal was totally legit. I love what he brings to the team, but there was a ball that came in and he did this like no look shot. He like wrapped his foot around the right and just like tried to dink it into the upper corner without looking at it. And then when it didn't go in, just sort of walked away like, eh, And I'm like, I tell my kid, I'm like, I'm like, you will get two to three shots on goal per game. That's it. That's all you get. So like, you got to make them count. And it felt very reminiscent to, I don't know if you guys remember Mario Balotelli was, I think it was in Pittsburgh, but then he also did it in the MLS all-star game where like he's walking in on the keeper and he tried doing this like little dance, like drag to like showboat. It was not totally that bad. It. It, you, that comparing it to <laughs> no, 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 is... no, no, but it wasn't that bad. But in that moment, you could tell Balotelli was like, whatever. Like, I don't really care if it goes in, it goes in. If it doesn't, it doesn't. I was just doing this thing. And that's almost what this felt like to me was that like, 
Kizza was like, I don't know if it's really going to go in. If it goes in, it's going to be a wonder goal. But like, eh, it like when, if you really didn't have a shot, hold up the ball, get other players in, like take a good shot. Don't just waste it. Don't be one of the 75% that don't hit the net. And so yeah, don't be uh, Chicharito. Yeah, don't be Chicharito uh, this weekend again. Uh, I think it was Sporting KC. LA Galaxy was playing Sporting KC. He had a penalty kick and literally just kind of like lobs it at the keeper. The keeper just like catches it and just like looks up like, <laughs> all right, <laughs> great PK. Yeah. End up being a draw instead of the LA Galaxy winning that game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I, I think there's a there's a fine line between being i i don't like the phrase but i'm going to use it because i think more people know what i mean when i say it but like being in that sports flow state and just like just kind of feeling it and trying to like when you're having fun on the field you play better you play with more confidence you play more relaxed you know in 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 certain moments you love when a player you know does a small trick and a flare that doesn't need to do it but it brings joy to the game and it shows their in confidence and they're having fun I, there's a fine line between that and irresponsible cockiness i don't i didn't read that as like irresponsible cockiness i read that more as kiza got his goal he was feeling it we were tuning up playing really well you know for 20 minutes up until that chance i feel like loudon didn't really have anything to say for it so I don't know. I, I'm I'm playing devil's advocate. I totally get your point, Mike. I mean, you wanna you wanna be ruthless. I mean, when <laughs> obviously it's like we shouldn't be comparing leagues at all, but like when Erling Holland is scoring like a goal and a half a day, like not even a game, like a day, like then yeah, like <laughs> when you're that ruthless, then you you know, there's a certain ruthlessness that's really nice, but um yeah, I don't know. It's I think it's a fine line. Yeah. Anything else about these two games, guys? I know we're we're really getting into the the weeb moments here. We've already talked for forty five minutes, and I want to talk about Louisville and talk a little bit about stats and stuff. We good to to move on here? Cool. I mean, just just reminding everyone state of the situation here. We drew against. Uh, I just forgot. Red Red Bulls, yeah, there we go. <laughs> Red Bulls too. We draw against Charleston. And what was the other game? In the Loudon game. I mean, that's the three games that we were talking about. Bottom feeders that we should win all three of those. I think yep. before all this happened, we were talking that like, oh yeah, we should get like no reason why we can't get nine points out of all three of these games. I think the only person who was maybe a little bit more pessimistic was Kevin, saying like, ah, expecting a team to win all three is pretty you know lofty. I, I, Kevin, uh, take your you know your thoughts on this. Is this even worse than what you were expecting? It's hard to say without seeing how the Charleston game played out. Um, statistically, yes, it's worse than I, than I was expecting. Um, we didn't lose well, a game. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. And you know what we. I forget how many. Did we let up two against Red Bulls? I think it was 2-2. I think I know. I, maybe I'm wrong. Um, it was 2-2. I mean, yeah, so three goals. We let up three goals in, in three games. That's not great. So, well, no. Here, it's, it's not here, as... Here, hold on. It's not, go, oh, ahead, I'm go, for, go ahead. I'm forgetting Saturday. I'm sorry. I'm for, I forgot Atlanta United, too. 
That that was yeah. in that mix too. And that that's was true. a win. So that's that's a plus. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I, I, I was anticipating more out of the Charleston game, um, and the Red Bulls game too. Um, especially cause I, what the Red Bulls were the catalyst for us to break that six game losing streak or six game winless streak back in the middle part of the season. But no, it's, it's, it's not as good. It should be better for a team that has aspirations to go deep in the playoffs. Um, yeah, I don't even want to say it out loud, but like that kind of Look, brings up like, you know, is this a team that's going to go deep in the playoffs? I don't know. I, you know it's let so... me let me give you some stats here. OK, because I was trying to I, I was in the same boat and I was trying to quantify how I was feeling. And I thought this sort of did it. So in July, we had five wins and a draw. So we got 16 points in July and we were plus nine. OK. Two of those, only two of those games were against current playoff teams, Miami and New Mexico. So in July, we got 16 points. In August, we had two wins, two draws, and a loss. So only eight points, and we were at a plus one. So we went from a plus nine in July to a plus one in August, and only one of the teams we played is currently in the playoffs, and that's Memphis, and we lost to them. So we got half as many points in August as we did in July. And three of the teams that we played in August have already been eliminated from the playoffs. So to me, that's where this whole like cashing in on banked points things comes into play in that to get half as many points a month later and three of the games we played were against teams that are out of the playoffs we should have picked up more points this month in August than we couldn't have done it statistically than July, but it should have been on par. And instead it feels like we're trending downward when you consider the number of points that we got, the number of goals that we've given up and the competition that we've been playing. And so that's where I'm, I'm worried next week is going to be very telling Louisville and Birmingham. Like that, that's going to tell us everything we need to know from the East. And so if you, if we take a, a quick glance here at the standings, um, we are currently in fourth. So we did jump from fourth up to fifth. We are tied on points with Birmingham who are right beneath us in fifth. So that's where this game is going to be huge because it's literally a six point swing. If we're able to beat them, we go up three and that's three points they can't get. Um, and Memphis is still somewhat in striking distance. They are on 52 points, but they do have a game in hand. So we need them to stumble a little bit, but there is potential that we could catch them. But again, we're playing Birmingham or beneath us, Louisville, who have already locked up a spot in the playoffs. And then we get into the other teams that we're going to be playing. So you guys mentioned a little bit, you know, do we know what's going to happen against these Western Conference teams? So just to sort of paint a picture, here is our schedule for the rest of the season. We have Louisville on Saturday, Birmingham the following Wednesday, and then just Saturday games, well, weekend games for the rest of the of the year. We play Orange County, San Antonio, Sacramento, and Oakland. So if you're questioning, hey, what, you know, are they any are these teams any good? What what should we be considering? Here's a look at the western standings and I highlighted the teams that we have to play. San Antonio has already locked up a playoff spot and they are number 1 in the west. Sacramento is number four in the West. 
Oakland is in ninth and is likely going to be battling for a playoff spot all the way up until the last game. So that last game of the season for us is likely going to be against a team that is trying to get into a playoff spot. So that is not going to be any sort of gimme. And then Orange County somehow went from being the number one team in the league to last place in the West. (laughs) Um, And we get to face them after the Birmingham game, I believe. So when you're trying to get a sense of, yeah, we'll play them on September 24th. So when you're trying to get a sense of what's this Western run going to look like, it's looking like probably three really tough games and maybe one that's not going to be as tough. And uh, unfortunately, the, well, I was going to say the one that shouldn't be as tough as Orange County's, which we should get right after Birmingham, um, 10 days after Birmingham. So I guess the big question is, based on all that, how are we feeling? Kev, how are you feeling with all of that in mind? Um, a, a little better. I mean, it, I, I, I weirdly like a pretty even distribution of teams from the West. I mean, okay, maybe not the first place team. That'd be nice. But like, <laughs> um, you know, it, the fact that also, so we get, yeah, three, three of those at home. The one that's away is the fourth place team, which whatever, okay, not ideal, but a good challenge away from home that is possible. The, the thing to back up just a second, um, I mean, looking at, I, w- I was surprised to see Louisville has lost um, their last, they've lost two out of their last three games. Um, now, <laughs> for as doom and gloom as we've been, Look, we've seen we've all followed sport for a long time. We know stuff can happen, right? So let's say, you know, if we beat Louisville on on the weekend, which is possible, I would say unlikely, but which is possible. Louisville just tend to have our number, you know, and that Louisville are just a better team than us over this course of the season from what have from how everything's played out. But if we if we beat them at home, and if Louisville lose their game in hand, we're four points away from Louisville. <laughs> like that's it's like that's ridiculous to say to to, to think of. Where if as if we just beat Louisville and if Louisville lose their game in hand, we're four points away from first. As much as we've been kind of crapping on how bad we've been against these bottom feeder teams and et cetera, et cetera. So I think there. I mean, I'm surprised at how tight the top of the table now has kind of become over the last two or the last, what, three or four weeks um, with both Louisville and Tampa dropping some po- unexpected points. So, you know, we'll see. I, you know, it's, and, and I think, um, yeah, it, it's, you, Mike, you put out a good context of all the Western Conference games. And I think it's, it's important to, to understand the context and think through them and talk about them. But it's just, for me, it's so hard to look to, to those games when I think Louisville and Birmingham sitting right in front of us have huge implications um and yeah it's it's just really hard for me to kind of talk through the western conference games without thinking about the louisville game and the birmingham game because i think yeah it's i think our season kind of gets painted from that and then whether or not we can gain momentum or not against the west coast teams is kind of where that kind of i don't know the importance kind of sits in my mind i think the birmingham louisville thing in my mind paints a picture for what I will expect from our playoffs 
because I feel like once we get that will give us a sense of what we're actually going to face in six weeks. Cause I don't think anybody here is questioning whether or not we're going to make a playoff. We're going to make the playoffs. I think it's sort of jockeying for position. And if Louisville's already sort of locked up a spot, that's going to be the top competition from the East. Once you, once you get to the championship, all bets are off. Like you don't, you don't like how the West is, how it, it doesn't matter. So I think that once we get past those two games, it becomes a complete wild card where we're playing teams that we haven't seen and we're watching most of the other Eastern teams around us play other Eastern teams. And we have a decent sense of how those might shake out. And so that's where I totally agree that like, we're going to, we're going to have a better sense of what to expect after these two games. And unfortunately, Birmingham is a midweek game. Um, But I don't know. Uh, Josh, I, I, putting put, putting this out, I, I think like if let's say <laughs> I'd say if we beat Louisville, then yeah, draw against Birmingham is wonderful. I think and like that that's great. I think if we if we lose if we lose against Louisville, we, we I think we kind of have to beat Birmingham. Um, I think bottom line we can't like we can't lose to Birmingham, and whether or not a draw or a win is good enough. I think kind of hinges on the Louisville game, at least in the short term. I think eventually there's possibilities we can catch up points on the back end of the Birmingham game. Um, but I think we need to stay within one or two points of Birmingham after the Birmingham game, no matter what, um, and not lose to Birmingham. <laughs> so we could lose the Louisville and fine. It's not ideal, but then it just kind of solidifies Okay, you know Birmingham kind of then becomes a must-win for me, um, but uh, yeah. So like it, it's, it, I think if we put up a good fight against Louisville and we come up like a draw, okay. Um, but then even at that, I think we need to beat Birmingham. I mean, some good news about Birmingham is uh, we or was it right after they play us? So before they play us, they play Indy, which I know Indy's not the greatest team in the world, uh, but still, it's not like you know. New York Red Bulls or anything like that. And then after us, they play the Rowdies, uh, which is going to be a hard team for them to play. And they also have to play San Antonio as well. Um, so again, same thing as us. They're playing the top team in the, the West. So it, it's it's not like they have a cakewalk of a season uh, ahead of them. Um, but one thing to keep in mind with all of the West Coast teams is I just checked to make sure, but all of them have the uncongested uh, season as well going into those games against us. So none of them have to play a Wednesday game, then turn around and play us. Uh, So they're, they're, they're going to be as rested as you can expect them to be when they have to travel, you know, all the way to the East coast to play us. Um, Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to find like positives and negatives and there's a lot of both. I I do think it all comes down to Birmingham. It's going to be the game that I'm the most, you know, looking at as far as a bellwether of what to expect Louisville. I, I feel like if we got a point out of Louisville, I'd be happy. Um, obviously you always want your team to win, especially at home, but they're a great team and just getting out of there with a point would be fantastic. Uh, which is sad to say, cause they're coming to our house and you know, yeah, it, it is not fun to say that, but yeah, get a point against Louisville and then get the three against Birmingham. And that's what I feel like they need to do uh, if they want, if we want to see a home playoff game. Uh, I don't know 
just beating Birmingham, you're putting a lot of your eggs in the basket for the rest of the West Coast teams uh, matches to get a home playoff game at that point. I do feel a little bit better about our chances with these West Coast teams because they have to travel for the most part and they're the way they're distributed. I, I do feel like we should get some points on these West Coast teams. But yeah, I, I would love to see at least fourth place, obviously. And to do that, I feel like, well, first off, you can't lose against Birmingham by more than one point because if they end up in the same amount of points as us, uh, it's the whole tie or head to head, you know, who has the most points out of both. And at that point, we beat them one zero uh, at their house. So if they beat us two zero, uh, that ends up being, you know, favored for them because then after you go head to head for points, it goes to goal scored. So we need to keep them down in goals and we have to win that game or at least draw that game. Yeah. I would say here, here's, here's my, you know, I, I think, I don't know, I'm putting words in your mouth. And everyone's ears, but like, <laughs> but I think I generally have what the personality of being the more realistic, right? Or pessimistic. Uh, I was going to say pessimistic is probably the, I wouldn't say realistic, but go ahead. I'll I feel say, like I've been pessimistic this one, but go ahead. I would say we have a better chance at beating Louisville than any other result. I think, I think we have. I think it's more likely that we'll beat Louisville than we'll draw with Louisville or lose to Louisville. And here's my thing. Why? Okay, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, like, so they've been they've been wonderful over the course of, of, of the season, right? But so you know, their last, they, so they just have a huge stretch of away games, and that started with their first loss. So the, the back in August 27th, they went away against Miami and lost. Um, and then midweek they went again. They went away against Indy and lost. Um, then on that weekend they had Sacramento at home. They won. This this week in two days time they're traveling to Tulsa away, mm-hmm. and then they play us on the weekend. So, you know they're gonna have the midweek game. We won't. They've been pretty poor on the road. I mean pretty poor. I, I'm putting right. I mean like they've been incredible. Obviously, and, you know, but <laughs> for their standards, they lost two on the bounce away from home against, uh, you know, teams you would expect them to do pretty well against, and they have done well over the course of the season. And then they're, you know, they're going away um, midweek and then they're coming away again on the weekend. So look, I I think all all the Riverhounds players know, we know, everyone knows like this Louisville game is huge. We we all know the Birmingham game is maybe even arguably bigger, but Louisville is Louisville. It's home. We're getting close to the end of the season here. Louisville might have the, you know, the slightest chink in their armor. They they've been they they've shown no vulnerability all season and just now there might be a little bit of a peaking kind of chink in their armor and I think there could be something there to exploit. I I I I'm, I don't know. I'm feeling the more I'm talking through this the more I feel better about the Louisville game. All right. So first of all, I agree with Liz. Emotionally, I am exhausted um, from this. Oh, I clicked on the wrong message here. She just said that emo- this was a, a I'm, stop. Ah, Liz keeps adding messages and I keep trying to click on one and then it just like keeps going further and further down the list. Not just <sighs> little plug that, you know, if you want to come and watch these live, you're welcome to come in and comment and we can see the comments. We sometimes add them to the show. But Liz said, you guys have my emotions all over the place. Yeah, I feel like my emotions are all over the place as well. Um, what was I going to say? I completely forgot. Liz completely threw me off track. 
just let's just call it this weekend louisville it's at home win lose draw josh what are you taking draw kev i right, win you're gonna say lose I- <laughs> look i think here's the other thing mike to give you some extra seconds to think about this i think like this is where i think up until this point in the season we've had space to essentially hide to uh, of whatever's like what is this team going to accomplish this season i think up until this point we've had room to essentially keep hiding and keep pushing that kicking that can down the road this this game on the weekend is the point now there's no more kicking the can down the road Whatever happens against Louisville and especially Birmingham will define how the season's going to end, in my opinion. And I think there's, there's, I don't, I don't know. I mean, on either side of the fence, I don't, I don't know the probabilities, but I, I'm feeling better about like there's still a decent chance that like the end of the season could be very good, and we could be going into the the after season with a home game, with a home playoff game, with a good momentum of you know behind our back. So. But I think it, it. This is you know no more kicking the can down the down the road. This is it. I feel like you hosting the past two weeks has caused us to switch positions. Um, <laughs> I feel like I feel like agree. We have to have to win this game. There there are parallels to me in what's happening right now with the not direct parallels, but it feels like parallels between what's happening with the Riverhounds and what is happening with Aston Villa in that Aston Villa played City this past weekend and nobody gave them a shot because they thought they were on a downward trend. And somehow Aston Villa yeah, got and, a draw against City and now it's Including like, you. I never... Oh, I no, no, no. Never, Absolutely I including never, me. I never checked the Slack channel. And I, I, I checked the Slack channel randomly or something. And I saw, Mike, you were just like crapping on Gerard and <laughs> yeah. Aston Villa. And oh, don't like, get me wrong. I think... I don't want to say he got lucky in this game, but I got to see more from Gerard. But anyway, beyond that, now that they have tied city, there is this, there is this shift in the fan base. There is this confidence boost that based on the previous four results alone, you have no right to have, but because you did it against the champs, you have this belief that you could do it against anybody. And so I, I see a similar parallel with the Hounds in that, yeah, we didn't really lose against the likes of Atlanta and New York and, and Loudoun, but it wasn't great. And so I think to get a result against Louisville at least gives me the confidence, and I think would give the guys the confidence of, okay, like this wasn't just against these teams. We could show up against the best teams in the East. We can put on a performance and then it's like ramping back up again. So I think that the game is vital. So I'm not going to say lose, even though I think realistically we could lose. I would I would say at least a draw against Louisville. And I think the fact, Kev, all of your points about playing away, I think having Tulsa midweek, they're going to have to be juggling players, whereas we get a full week's rest and really can lock in on it. The question is going to be, is Lily going to try to stack the cards against Louisville, or is he going to be looking ahead to Birmingham? And that's what we don't know. So... There's no chance yeah. he's looking ahead to Birmingham. There's no saying chance. It, saying it now, he, I, <laughs> you could argue that he he is the reason that Josh is supposed to send the stupid shield to to the battery because he couldn't figure out how to get three goals against the battery because their rotation. Fine. 
Louisville isn't isn't Charleston. Uh, that's funny. Uh, yeah, okay. I, I don't think he's going to rotate either. I actually don't. I think he will play a full roster against uh, Louisville. And I think he's going to see it not only because of the fact that he wants to get the points against Louisville. It's at home, obviously. But also, I think it's because this is a chance for them to kind of see how they stack up against Louisville and see what kind of uh, pretty much how to play against a top tier team which is what he needs to be doing if he wants to get far in the playoffs instead of crapping on the playoffs like he does every single season. I, I will I will say this. I I wouldn't be surprised if there's like one odd starter against Louisville. Wait, wait Toby boy. Here we go, Sims. Yeah. Coming in. <laughs> so here's the other thing. Um, and we're going to save this conversation for another show because we're already over time here. But something you guys talked about last week that I was like, this would be, we should talk about it this week. We'll save it for another week is... In talking with the Hounds president, something that sort of clicked for me was I was personally trying to think about what happens when we start selling out Hounds games on the regular and you now have fans that can't get into the stadium and so they're having to watch them on TV. Have we thought anything more about how do you draw in more fans when you can't actually get butts in the seats? And the takeaway that I had from there is they are very much focused on butts in the seats for now and the foreseeable future. And so I think that there is something about, and whether or not this translates to Bob or not, it feels like as an organization, they have identified the focus is we have to have positive experiences for people when they come to games. And so whether or not that translates into home performances should be prioritized over away performances, which they would never say, but I think from a purely stales and strategic standpoint, to have people coming to games and seeing a win is more likely to bring people back than to have people come to games and see a loss. And so therefore there may be something else about this whole, like, please don't rotate for home games because we're trying to create an experience to get butts in seats because that's our primary focus. So we will save the rest of that conversation for some other time. I'm just sort of planting the seeds. Thank you, Liz, for saying that this is some tinfoil hat shit. Uh, Appreciate that. (laughs) I agree. Um, But I would not be surprised. So um, that's what we think. Let us know what you think. Um, guys, anything else for this episode that you guys want to talk about? I feel like we like ran the game. I'm going to go like uh, cry and laugh at the same time. Cause I just, <laughs> I don't know where I stand on the emotional spectrum at this point. Uh, Louisville, uh, the game is on Saturday, September 10th. We have, uh, I think it's throwback night if I yes. remember right. And it's also dollar yep. beers as well, uh, mm-hmm. for the hour before the game starts. So, a lot of good reasons to come out. It's a huge game. Gonna be a lot of fun. Dollar beers are back for one day only. Uh, you know, all the clamoring from the Steel Army and everyone else. Your, your prayers have been heard. Dollar beers are back. <laughs> uh, so come and take advantage. Uh, yeah, I can't wait. Kev, anything from I, you? I mean, you know, it's impossible to predict this far out in the future, but right now, the weather in Pittsburgh on Saturday looks to be just sunny and partly cloudy with a high of 79. It looks perfect weather for a, a Louisville home game. So hopefully it stays nice. that way. It's going to rain now because of you. I'm just yeah, sorry. Now. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to, we're going to wrap it up. So remember, as I mentioned earlier, that you can be part of the conversation, head over to twitter.com backslash Mongol, click on the link 
um, that you'll see right there on, on the tweet that we have pinned to join our Twitter circle. $1 a month, you get loads of additional content from us and help to cover some of our expenses. 30 bucks gets you a hat and in for the whole year. So check that out. Um, weekly reminder, Black Lives Matter. We are proudly part of the Beautiful Game Network, which is home to more than 100 volunteer writers and podcasters covering local soccer. Please help us keep doing what we're doing. Head over to bgn.fm, click the donate button to help us cover expenses, and thank you for your support. Otherwise, thanks, everybody. We will talk to you very, very soon. Cheers. Later. Oh, and go check out Houndsy. They just did an episode where they were in the car, and it was, like, really cool. <laughs> now, now, bye. Bye. <laughs>